And I'll tell you, this is a great time to really study on the importance of forgiveness, our obligation to forgive, just as the Lord, we always forget He forgave us the most, right? (laughs) And sometimes we don't want to offer that same luxury to others. But this is a great moment, especially for those of us that might have come through a rough upbringing, rough families, uh, broken relationships, and all of these things. Forgiveness is a gift. So if you're available and you would like to attend, please just let myself or Jana know. Uh, We'll take your information and we'll definitely pass it with Pastor Dave so he'll have an idea. There's also a uh, forgiveness book that will be. It's optional. It's $10 for the the book that he has as well. But there is no cost for the book uh, because you don't have to buy it. Uh, But you can go to the seminar. But just keep that in mind. If you'd like to go, just let us know. Well, this morning I thought we would look at Luke 17, and I really love this uh, passage of Scripture, because you might not know this, but being grateful can change your life. Sometimes doesn't a life change sound lovely? Is that you, by chance? I like to change some things in my life. My son's always telling me, Dad, do you want to come to the gym? And I said, soon. I know he's trying to get me to change my life, and I think, yeah, 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 let's go do all that stuff. I'll come soon. But I'll tell you, once in a while, you have to remember that with the right gratitude, you can have life-changing gratitude in your life and make a whole new scenario available to yourself. In fact, I was thinking how grateful I am to the Lord I don't know about you, but I love things that are beautiful. Anybody else like to gaze on just things that are beautiful? My wife and I, we, were, we arrived uh, to the valley a little bit early this morning, so we kind of went for a drive on the other side of uh, the road. And uh, by the way, if you have Yamashita Street, where's little Tokyo? I didn't see it anywhere. But I did spot a castle on the other side of the road. So I thought, okay, there's a little bit of like France going on here. That's kind of cool. But I love to see things that are beautiful. And you know what caught my eye this morning? These cute little quail with those. What did the Lord put on their head? That's adorable. It's almost like a little fan. Uh, But uh, they're just running all across the road. And I thought to myself, I'm grateful for these cute little birds. The Lord, and Janice said it perfectly, creation. Look at God's creation. Well, in March, what I was grateful for, uh, Chanel sent me uh, for the big watch show. There's always a big watch show in March, and it's in Geneva, Switzerland, the heart of watchmaking, and uh, they set us up in a room for the whole week, and uh, if you uh, know anything about Geneva, it's really cool because John Knox and John Calvin were big-time ministers in that area, and it's influenced everything. Everything about these cities, the churches, the culture, the food, it's, it's really influenced. But Jana had never been to Switzerland. So I said, "Hun, if you can take the week off, use the room while I'm at the, at the, uh, the watch show. And uh, then we can grab a couple, or maybe two or three extra days and venture out and go explore. 
So we did the watch show. The watch show was very cool. Our watches were proudly displayed right next to Rolex. Rolex's sister brand, Tudor, if you've ever heard of that brand, it's a sister brand that's owned by Rolex called Tudor. And then Chanel and Chopard and Patek Philippe. It was cool. What a cool show to go to. The whole world shows up for this. And then once we were finished, I said, "Hun, we're going to get on a train and we are going to go along the north side of Lake Geneva. Lake Geneva is long and skinny, almost like when you cut a fingernail, that shape of a fingernail. This lake just goes on and on. But I knew at the end of the lake, you get a great view of the Alps. And there's also this wonderful uh, Swiss castle from the, I don't know, the 13th, 12th or 13th century, right on the, the lake. And I thought to myself, she is going to freak out when she sees how beautiful this is. What has the Lord done in this area? The Alps mountains, the beautiful lake. So here we're taking the train, and as you start to get the Alps in view across the lake, I was just watching her face light up. What God has done is amazing. And when you look through all those Alps mountain passes, guess what's on the other side? Italy, la pasta. <laughs> And it is just amazing. You look behind you and you see hills. Guess what's behind you there? Oui, 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 France. It's unbelievable. What a place. What the Lord has done. So we were very grateful for that trip. And I thought, this year is awesome until last week. <laughs> Car accident. Pipes bursting in our condo. Water flooding into our neighbor's house. And now I'm thinking, this year's a nightmare. <laughs> This year is a nightmare because everything that's happening, I'm thinking cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. All of this stuff is going to cost repairs and everything else. And then the Lord gave me a dream and I knew I was to pray over our house, our lives, our children. I knew that we were entering a phase. You know, when the Lord kind of gives you the idea, you need to put your boxing gloves on and it's time to fight back. Does the Lord ever reveal anything to you in dreams? Anybody? I know when I have one of those dreams that the Lord's talking to me and it's time for battle. And this was a moment because I've been too busy to, to recognize it. So I'll tell you this morning, no matter what happens, if we're in the beautiful Alps or we're fighting water, I'm going to thank God for everything in all seasons, no matter what. Lift up the name of the Lord. So let's go ahead and look at our scripture today. And in my Bible, it says the ten are healed of leprosy. It says here in 17, uh, chapter 17 of Luke, verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. By the way, I don't mean to stop here, but I got to tell you, I go to the dermatologist all the time. It's one of those stressful things. Can you imagine the stress these people would live under? having to deal with this on a daily basis, leprosy, every day. And he says, he's going into the village. Ten men had leprosy. They met him. They stood at a distance, and they called out in a loud voice, almost in desperation. They said, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priests. Notice the first word was go. And as they went... They were cleansed. One of them, 
when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at the feet of Jesus and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? No one was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner. Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Father, thank you for this word. I take from this that we are to be people of gratitude. Hallelujah. May we not be found like the other nine, but always be the first to rush to you and say, Lord, I am grateful and thankful for all you have done. May we forever be changed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, when I send out invitations to clients at my store, if only one responded, I would be bummed. Wouldn't you? Say I invite 10 people. Let's have a dinner out on our patio at the Wynn or whatever we do. And one showed up, I would be bummed. That's a bad ratio, isn't it? But you know what I thought? It's better than zero. (laughs) When I call my store and they're like, we have any sales today? One little ring. All right, it's better than zero. (laughs) I just, I, I have to remember to be grateful. But Jesus sent, the interesting thing is, he tells them to go. And you know what's great about the 10? They started off so good. They all listened. And they went. They acted in faith. And they did it even before the healing had happened. So they started off so good. Then they actually responded in faith to the Lord, and they were healed on the way. Thank God for that moment, correct? They acted on what Jesus said before the evidence that it would even happen was there. That is called faith. Yet for all that they did right, how many showed up to give thanks to God? A small, small ratio. Only one. And Scripture points out, wasn't even Jewish. Was a Samaritan. A foreigner. So people, I wrote this down in my notes as I was thinking about this, just passing some things through my mind. People who are thankful do what we did this morning. They praise God, and then they please God. Hallelujah. Don't you want to please your Father? Don't you want to please your God who's done so much to us? Then we praise Him just like we did today. Amen. Nine, though, showed to be ungrateful. So when you think about it, what do you think those nine would say? There's one pastor back east, and he said, you know what, I think if the nine could speak for themselves, if the nine could speak, this guy named Pastor Mike said, The first one might say, hey, why didn't you go back and give thanks to God? Well, you know, my skin didn't clear up as well as the other guys. As we were going, I noticed his looked a little bit nicer. I still have a little bit of scarring. I might have to get some lasers, uh, things done, something like that, you know, on and on. And then he said, the other one said, well, I have to tell you, I was probably taking this organic cream a little bit before all this happened, so I might have played into it. And then, another one might say, well, there's so much suffering in the world, I have to make sure that, uh, you know, other people have a chance to be healed too. Another might say, well, we got so busy, everybody's giving a lot of, uh, of, uh, you know, uh, all these interviews and everything, everybody wanted to know what happened, so we got just so busy, we didn't, didn't have time. Another guy said, well, you know, I appreciate what he did, but I could have had 
good looks as well. Don't you think the Lord could have pulled that off? And then the, another one just said, who's all legalistic, might have just said, well, you know, he only said just go show, us, show ourselves to the priest. He never said come back and give thanks. And another might have said, well, that's kind of what he does. He heals for a living. I mean, I don't have to go back and give thanks. That's what the guy does. Another might have said, well, maybe Jesus just knows I'm thankful. He knows everything, doesn't he? He's all over. He, he just knows. And another one says, well, maybe family is just number one, and I just have to see them first. I'm not going to worry about anybody else. Another might say, well, now I actually have to get a job. I'm bummed. Another might say, well, you know what? I would go back and give thanks to Jesus, but I heard he just told this other guy he wanted his entire life. I don't know if I want to go talk to him. He's a little scary if he's asking for someone's entire life. Well, I will say one time, Jana made an amazing eighth birthday for our daughter. I don't know if I've ever told you this, but she did above and beyond for Kylie's eighth birthday when she was little. She just arranged everything, invited everything, made a big hoopla, filled the house with balloons and, and candles and cakes. And I mean, it was, a, it was a phenomenal thing. And then when Kylie came into the living room for the party time, she said, where's my bounce house? If you could have seen that face, ooh, it was something. Just pure sadness of, oh my goodness, I just did such above and beyond, and there's no gratefulness. Where is my bounce house? I was thinking, I'll give you a bounce house. Well, I've got to say, sometimes if we're not careful, we can treat the Lord just like that. Well, where is this, Lord? Well, I've been asking for that, Lord. Well, where's this? Well, where's that? Well, why don't I have this? Well, why don't I have that? If we're not careful, we can enter into that moment, and that's the last thing we want to do because every day is a gift, amen? And not only is every day a gift, but every day is a birthday celebration of life, hallelujah. If you woke up today, praise God. There might not be balloons everywhere and candles. You might not even have a bounce house today. Anybody want a bounce house? You might want one, but even if you don't have one, praise God. And that's the first thing I wanted to mention this morning is be a person that chooses to thank God in all of life's circumstances, no matter what. My pipe is leaking. Thank you, Lord. And send me a genius that knows how to stop it. This lady just crashed into my car in Rhodes Ranch. Thank you, God. It was just a little bump here and a sore wrist, and I'm not in a hospital, and I'll go to work. Thank you, Lord. There are moments that we can always be more thankful. And I have to tell you, being thankful, thou shalt thank the Lord thy God, it's not necessarily in the Ten Commandments. Mel Brooks might have had it in the 15 Commandments, but he dropped the third tablet, and it might have been on that one, so then he says, no, it's just the Ten Commandments now. But there isn't a, thou shalt thank the Lord thy God always. But I have to say that if you thank God, you please God's heart when you do so. Isn't that true? My children will write me like little notes for Father's Day or something and just thank me for the life they think that I've given them. Of course, I, I'm grateful to the Lord for having the ability to do whatever, you know, to bless your family's life. But I will say, when I get those little notes of thankfulness from my kids, I have to say, I, my heart is pleased. 
My friend Tim always uh, wanted to go back to his teacher. In his college years, he wanted to go back to his elementary school teacher one day when he got straight A's. And one time at UNLV, he got straight A's and he said, let's walk down the street. I'm going to let her know I got straight A's. And when I looked at his, uh, what would you call it, the classes that he took, they were all cheesy, easy classes. If he didn't get straight A's, I would have slapped him and thought, are you crazy? How could you not get an A in red rock hiking? How could you not get an A in, I don't know, music history or jazz history? But anyways, I didn't steal his moment. We walked down the street. He knocked on the door and he said, I always said I'd come see you one day when I got straight A's. Now he's all grown. And she looks at it and gives him a big hug. And he said, I'm so thankful that you believed in me. And of course, I'm looking at that list of classes going, give me a break. <laughs> but when God sent down food for the Jews uh, in the desert, they grumbled, didn't they? They grumbled against the Lord. They were ungrateful. And you know what God's anger did? It boiled. Do you have a water heater? Sometimes you don't even want to touch it. Or, if you're making pasta and you're boiling that water, you don't want to touch that bowl. Well, it says God's blood boiled. His anger boiled that day against the Jews. Ungratefulness displeases God. May we never be that person. And let me say that in all of life's circumstances, being thankful is the key to happiness. Are you missing happiness? Be grateful. Be grateful for what you have. There used to be this old song, and I'm trying to think of it now, and I probably shouldn't try it on the spot, but I'm going to. Honey, what is that song? Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. Boy, he does a lot, does he not? Amen. He does a lot. More important than circumstance, though, is our attitude. Anybody have an attitude here? I'm looking. I'm looking. I can have an attitude. Don't ask my wife. It's, you don't want to know. I can have an attitude. We can choose to focus on God's goodness, but usually, sometimes, our human nature shines through, and we can focus on the opposite. One pastor said that, in ministry, he felt 95% of ministry is absolutely wonderful and good, and 5% of it, he found, can be downright nasty and negative. And he said, and if I'm not careful, I'll focus 50% on that 5% if I don't stop myself. So I will say we can never be the kind of people that focus so much on the negative that we forget the positive and the goodness of God. Being happy in a godly way does require both gratitude, working with attitude. And we have to be the people that put those two together. Gratitude plus attitude. My son never got that when he was little. He thought the more he had, the happier he was. We would leave the house. He would stuff things in every pocket. I mean, just stuff everywhere. But you know what the problem is with having too much stuff? The more that we have the more that we want. And the more that you want makes you less grateful. How careful we have to be in the land of the plenty. Amen? 
Sometimes America has it all. My friend from France that we visited in Geneva in March, he's living there now, when he walked down the cereal aisle at Smith's in Las Vegas, you know the beginning of the cereal aisles at the front of the store and the cereal aisles on both sides going all the way back to the end of the store. And you know what he said to me in his French accent? This is ridiculous. <laughs> the land of plenty. Lucky Charms, Cocoa Puffs, Fruity Pebbles, Cocoa Crisp, blah, 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 Wheaties, Special K. It just went on and on. This is ridiculous. He said, in France, we have a little tiny section of uh, cereal. It's like this big. <laughs> Being in the land of plenty, you have to be very careful. have to be very careful that we don't want more and more and become, you know, there's... I remember I had this little Hyundai accent, little, little manual drive Hyundai accent, and that's what I drove to the wind every single day. But one time, I went up that, you know, when you leave Prim, if you're heading towards California, hit that mountain pass, that little car almost couldn't do it. And I thought, I'm watching all these beautiful vehicles just go right by me through that mountain pass up on that grade, and here's my little car. And the, the diesels were passing me. And I remember thinking, I hate this car. This is ridiculous. You have to be kidding me. It even had roll-down windows like this. I had a gentleman who was born in the 1920s making fun of me. He's like, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to roll this down. But uh, I, I remember thinking, I absolutely hate this car. I wish I had. And I'm looking next to me at all these beautiful cars. I wish I had. That's the beginning of the end. Amen? You can go down the wrong way. Oh, I'd rather have the sunroof and the V8 and the this and the that. But you know what the truth is? I don't want a car payment. I don't want to pay more to Progressive. I don't want a bigger gas bill. I don't want any of that. Lord, thank you for this little cheesy Hyundai accent. I will park it proudly next to the CFO of the wind. Or maybe I'll go a little bit further and park in the next spot down. But I would say, people sometimes, like me in that moment, love to complain. Do you believe that? People love to complain. Some people are so good at it, they think it's a spiritual gift. I can complain so well, but it's not in the Bible. It is not. If a leper can throw himself at the feet of Jesus and be grateful, so can you. Amen? So can I. Hallelujah. So, don't get trapped in the comparison game. And that is number two today. Don't get trapped in the comparison game. And we do it all day long. Don't tell me you don't do it. We do it all day long. My little Honda is right now getting repaired. It's all crunched up on the driver's side door and the back panel. So many people said, get rid of it. I spotted out the next car I'd love to have, this beautiful little squishy, low-to-the-ground BMW X2 little SUV. So cool. Little squishy windows. I just love it. But you know what? I'm getting the little Honda fixed. You know why? My little Honda's not dead yet. But I would say, would I like to do something else? Would I like to have what other people have? Would I, do I wish I had a, a larger house? Do I, there's a lot of things I think I would want. But I never want to be the kind of son of God that wants so much that I don't look grateful for what the Lord has given me. My little Honda will be revived in Jesus' name. Lazarus, come forth. Honda CRZ, come forth. 2012. Take off the grave clothes. You're coming out. 
One time, Pastor Bob Russell in Illinois, he had uh, Pastor Max Lucado come and uh, preach at his church. And his wife kind of handles the tape ministry, you know, and how many tapes are sold and on and on and on. And after service, uh, Pastor Bob said to his wife, how many tapes did uh, Max sell? She said 670. And then Bob said, what's my all-time high? There's the comparison game. There it is. She said, honey, do you really want to know? He said, yes, hit me with it. She said, 250. He said, you have to be kidding me. This guy passed me by almost more than double. He did it. She said, well, just stop right there and don't go any further. And he goes, well, now I want to know about the books. How many books has he sold? She said, well, I think he sold about 30 million. How many have I sold? She said, 300,000. He said, well, at least that's one-tenth. She goes, no, honey, that's one one-thousandth. <laughs> he was so depressed, she said, that uh, she was going to put him on suicide watch. Always dangerous ground, the comparison game. Amen? When you feel you're doing it, you have to tell yourself, the Lord rebuke this thought in Jesus' name. The Lord rebuke this thought in Jesus' name. Church comparisons. Oh, they have this and the this and the that. And look at the facilities. And oh my goodness. And they have an espresso bar and a blah, 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 blah. Or oh, that pastor, you know, he's amazing. And this one's ah, it's all right. And this one, even in scripture, they said, oh, some follow Apollo, some follow Paul, some even follow Jesus. Oh, what a concept. But when you think about it, the comparison game is a game of absolute turbulence in a heart. That's what's going on. It's turbulence. The comparison game leads to ungratefulness. It's the path to ungratefulness. Oh, let me go follow the yellow brick road of ungratefulness? Absolutely not. Forge a new path, amen? May our path always lead to Jesus. Showing that you are not content with what you have leads to ingratitude, which it leads to sin. And that's the last thing we need more in our life is sin. Am I correct? I don't need any more. But I would say, recently we've been thinking about selling our house with all these pipe issues. But that house was a blessing to us at the beginning. Lord, thank you. What a gift from you, Lord. Little tiny rooms, but we love it. Crazy water heater, but we'll get through it. Pipes are bursting. By. But you know, yesterday and the day before, we're like, let's get out of here. We're done with this crazy. It's a ticking time. Oh, this place is crazy. Wait a minute. It was a God's gift to us 11 years ago. Now I'm, now I'm acting like it's, uh, you know, persona non grata. You got to be kidding me. But I have to say, I don't need a new house. I will get this one fixed. We will stay, won't we, hon? And I will say it will work fine in Jesus' name. And what I want to be known for more is a legacy of truly not comparing or grieving or having a turbulent heart in any comparison games, but really just trusting in the Lord. Putting my trust in the Lord. Colossians 3.15, and this is good for anybody that's been involved in the comparison game. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And then guess what? And be thankful. 
If peace is not in your heart, then turbulence is in your heart. Have you ever seen when people in the news, they go out on the, in those big, uh, those big ships on vacation, and all of a sudden those rogue waves hit? That's turbulence in a heart too. Just like that, tossed to and fro. And we don't want that. There's nothing peaceful or thankful when we play the comparison game. Comparing is restlessness. And it fuels a sour heart. There was one time I remember I was handing out gift cards at Christmas time at the Wynn Hotel and I thought, you know what, I can buy all these different denominations but last thing I want them to do is say, who got the $25 gift card? Who got the 10 Did Ryan give you the 15 to, You know, sometimes we have to pre-think these things out and think, last thing I want is that. Well, I would say, our last point this morning is this, acknowledge that everything you have is the Lord's. Acknowledge that everything you have is the Lord's and it will bring your life into perspective. You know who's famous for saying, mine? Kids. Isn't that true? Kids are famous for saying, mine. Teaching them to share. Kids are famous for it. But you know who else is famous for saying, mine? We are. Would you believe it? We are. My finances, my relatives, my wife, my spouse, my husband, my children, my clothes, my house, my car. Mine, 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 mine. Like we really own all these things. If you've ever noticed, sometimes people even say mine in a new way. You're blocking my view. Who owns a view? Do you own a vista? (laughs) Or they might say, you're spoiling my air. Did you create H2O? Did you create molecules in the air? Did you create any of these things? No, we did not. They belong to the Lord. You're in my way. Oh, I didn't know you had a way. Well, I would say, God says to Job in chapter 38, Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang? Together, and all the angels shouted for joy. Surely you know Job. And then he goes on to continue with Job. Who has a claim against me that I might pay? I must pay. Everything under heaven belongs to me, says the Lord. Ooh, that lays it straight. Does that not lay it straight? So you might say, well then, if nothing belongs to me, does anything belong to me? That's a great question, everybody. Thank you for bringing it up. Paul states in Romans 12.5, So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member of the body belongs to all of the others. So in a sense, it's not what belongs to you, it's who belongs to you. Amen? Who belongs to you? Look around this room. We belong to each other. That's what you have. So we minister to those who have needs. We pray with those. We support those who need us. You spill yourself into the lives of other people and then you'll know who belongs to you. Amen? Spill your time, your prayers, your thoughtfulness, your acts of kindness. So how do we respond to the Lord? We respond by being grateful and thankful. Amen? This, uh, you know, when Katrina hit, I found this amazing, uh, this amazing quote. When Katrina hit there in the, in the South, this one person said, the fact that people have lost so much, we now have a sense of so much to be thankful for. 
Isn't that a spectacular thing to say? It's a spectacular thing to say. I would say, a wise man in Proverbs once said, Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise I might have too much and disown you, and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and dishonor the name of my God. What a powerful scripture. I have bread in my kitchen today, do you? I'm thankful for my daily bread. You can go home, look at that bread and say, Lord, thank you. Absolutely thank you. Because if all you had was Christ crucified and his resurrected body, you'd have it all. Amen. Amen. Let me just end with this story. There was a firefighter in New York City, and this was uh, when the September 11th attacks happened in 2001. His name is Lee. He's a retired firefighter uh, there in New York City, and uh, he gave 26 of his, uh, of his career, 26 years of his life and career to the city, but on September 11th, he gave much more. He gave his only son, Jonathan. Jonathan was a fireman just like his father in the steps of his dad. And when the Twin Towers fell, Jonathan was in the building and ended up in the rubble. And I would say that firefighters, I've found, are a very, very close-knit group of people. Anybody know a firefighter? Firefighters are a loyal clan. And when one perishes in the line of duty... The body is left where it is until a firefighter who knows the person can come and literally pick up the body of their comrade. Lee made the discovery of his son's body his personal mission. He dug daily with all of his other friends, dug and dug and dug that 16-acre graveyard. And on Tuesday, December 11th, Three months after the disaster, his son's body was located and found, and Lee was there to carry his son out. He didn't give up. The father didn't quit. He refused to turn and leave. And why? Because his love for his son was greater than the pain of the search. And can't the same be said of our Christ Jesus? Can't the same be said? Why didn't he quit? He could have quit, but he's not a quitter. Hallelujah. He's a searcher of hearts and souls and chases us down. Amen. Because the love for his children is greater than the pain of the journey. And he came and he pulled us out of our previous life. Amen. And we were dead to our sin. Our world collapsed. We were under the rubble. Were we not? And that's why Jesus did it. We were dead in our sin and he came and he loves you and he still would do it again and again and again, including your future generations. Praise God. Praise God. That's why he endured the distance between us because love endures all things. So if you're going to be grateful for anything today, let's stand now and tell him thank you. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for all you've done. Thank you for all you will do. You are the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and we are forever grateful. Lord, may we always remember that as things are removed out of our life, it helps us focus on you to be more grateful and have less. Amen. And Lord, not only that, but we thank you 
that truly we will acknowledge that everything we have comes from you, belongs to you, and will always belong to you. When we want to put ownership on it, Lord, give us the wisdom to hand it back to you and say, no, Lord, I give you the glory and honor and thanks for this that's in my life. And Lord, forgive us for when we compare, because when we compare, it leads to despair, and we want it only to lead to repair Repairing our hearts, Lord, to remember that we won't be involved in the comparison game ever. Hallelujah. And lastly, Lord, we want to thank you in all circumstances. Bursting pipes, flat tires, crazy cars, engine failures, AC unit. Everything that happens, Lord, in our life that just is so annoying. We want to just say, at the end of the day, I still give you thanks, Lord. I give you thanks, in the oasis and in the desert seasons of my life, I will forever be thankful to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And we shall be thankful for ice cream.